Her name is Charlie Hendricks. Boom, he hates her. He wants her off the island. One of those people down there is the killer. Hello, and welcome to Series 4 of Jam Presents, a podcast series by me, Mike Groves, and a good mate of mine, Jason Cripps. We're here to investigate the murder of Charlie Hendricks alongside Channel 4's new murder mystery reality TV show, Murder Island. Murder Island, a bonus episode. You know what? I actually love these. There's no time pressure, more time to gather our thoughts and reflect on a series as a whole. Not sure about a no edit run at the moment, um, but we needn't break the habit of a lifetime. So let's see how it goes, see how many times you swear. Um, but I also may actually throw a few clips in here and there, depending on how it sounds back. No promises, though. Don't hold me to it. I appreciate a few people have said, lazy bastard, not editing, but see how it goes. So you've got the chance to do an edit, and you're not even going to do it. <laughs> and one. I might not. <laughs> lazy bastard. I think, firstly, we need to get all the niceties out of the way. I've, I've mentioned it a few times, this series, but interactions we've had over the last six weeks have been really overwhelming. We've met a few negative Nancys along the way, but overall, it's been really cool sharing the journey with everyone who's been involved. And it's been really unusual, because normally we record all of these episodes fairly close together and then we release them weekly and we'll have finished an entire series before our listeners are starting an episode one this time it's just rather than just embarking it embarking on it with you jace it's very much we're sharing this whole experience with hundreds of people who have been tweeting us and messaging us through the week it really has been something else i should say though it's not about us Murder Island is a success because it's been well-written, well-executed, well-acted, well-paced, and ultimately, it's about the four couples who put themselves up to the scrutiny of Palm, Macca, Cy, Claire Mitchell QC, along with over a million viewers. Fair play, nothing but praise for the contestants. All of them had their qualities, they all brought something different. They all had an episode where they stole the show. Mm-hmm. I think whoever picked these guys, hats off to them, even if we do still hold a bit of a grudge that it wasn't us that was picked. I'm, I'm glad. The further it went on. Exactly. Having seen now what, what they had to go through, it wasn't the murder uh, in Small Town X experience. It was very much the, you're going to be a police officer. I don't think we'd have got away with Dick and Can you, can like you imagine me trying to interview someone or, or even writing notes? I'll just remember <laughs> it. So you're not going to remember that. Just take some notes. I'll, just, I'll remember it. It's fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> No, I, th- I think I think um, whoever made the decision made the right choice. I guess there's a little bit of loose structure to this episode. Feel free to chip in whenever you want with, I guess, no bullet points, because that's what this is all about. It's more just a reflection on things. But we'll talk about the location, the story, the cast, some of the things we've learned from chatting to Nick and Andrew, Sarah and Rich, along with our own thoughts on a second series, some clarifications where we may have made claims that were strictly untrue. Who was that directed at? It's uh, just that we've learned a few things since. And when I go through, there are some comments that I've got, oh, we mentioned this, but that wasn't necessarily how it panned out or what actually happened behind the scenes. In particular, Sarah picking us up on Hamish because she then corrected oh, we us saying... Oh, absolutely scored, But <laughs> on that note, when we um, saw um, Hamish on Tuesday, um, he actually said that he spoke... Who did he say he spoke to? Castle agent or something. Yeah, it's Castle agent who's a Gaelic. Yeah. And he said that that's actually the correct pronunciation. Oh, well, we stand, we stand corrected. corrected. <laughs> <laughs> so, apology. Yeah. And it really depends on your location, apparently, like where you're, like, you in know, if you're from, yeah, yeah, in Scotland, if you're from like the Highlands or, yeah. 
that's um someone and, wasn't actually wrong <laughs> but until i hear from that person you don't necessarily believe it don't necessarily she, she believe could it. be lying <laughs> So, oh yeah, I also spoke to this other person and said that was the correct way of saying it. And he was like, his name was Hamish. So who's the judge? So like, on with uh, the location first. I think it's the way we've often done things as we've looked at um, the series as a whole, but broken it down into chunks. So in terms of the island, Hersa was the place that was the fictional fictional island, but Gia was the place that it was situated. A beautiful Scottish island by all accounts, unknown to us, unknown to many prior to the show. From the BAFTA call that I watched earlier in the month, one of the producers uh, said that they were responsible for picking the location and they'd been there before with their wife and he went back to scope it up and just landed upon it fairly quickly. Both the pairs that we chatted to as well had um, a great time there. Um, Nick and Andrew and uh, Sarah and Rich said it's just so far from what they're used to. And also Andrew and Nick pointing out about the beer at the shop not being uh, not being stocked up. And Palm said that on that BAFTA video as well. It was very much, there's a shop owner there with an opportunity to sell a shitload of beer for a week because there's Monopolize all this cast the... and crew there. Yeah. Didn't give a shit. That, but that's what we said. That is island life. Island life. And I think, was it... Was it the same shopkeeper or certainly one of the islanders was basically the police, the postman, the fisherman, just every, brigade, every job. Paramedic, yeah. plumber, <laughs> electrician. Hashtag island life. And I, 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 I really like how the show has put gear on the map. Like even residents of gear have, have been listening to us and getting in touch. The owner of Ishbel's house messaged us at one point to say, that's my living room when we posted a stupid video of, uh, of Nick and Andrew. Um, I can't remember what it was that they said. It might have been the, the cup of tea offer or whatever it was, but that was in Ishbel's living room, which is actually their living room. I do wonder whether or not she had to tidy up the tissues in Logan's room or whether or not the STV did that. <laughs> I was thinking about that. Imagine the set design there being like, should we just chuck some tissues? Crumple up some tissues. Yeah. <laughs> that's his alibi. <laughs> But that was really interesting what Nick and Andrew said as well, in that every time they walked past their window, they noticed how well-dressed that room was. So it gave them an indication that there might be something to do there later on because you wouldn't go that far with dressing a set. If you're never going to... not going to use it. Yeah, go in it. Yeah. Andy, I think the chap's name is as well, who owns the manse now, or certainly had bought it before, but was used for, you know, the... the um, location of Charlie's murder. We've mentioned, I think, previously on on other episodes that he's renovating it at the moment, and there's some cracking pictures on on Instagram. And also, uh, I think he's got a blog where he's he's updating the renovations. Other than the torrid time they had with some of the days with with the weather, it actually looks like a really really nice place. So I don't, I don't think there's much more to say about the location. We could have done our research. Population of about six. It's not. There's about a hundred and I've heard of you. hundred and fifty to hundred and seventy five people I've seen on different places, but um, could have done a bit more research. But this is a uh, you know it's a reflection. It's not an in detail um, analysis. <laughs> don't hold us to the facts. It might not yeah. be true. Exactly. We have to do another follow-up episode to clarify some of the things we've said in this one. Um, onto the story, um, written, as everyone knows, by Ian Rankin. I think the depth of the characters, their backstories, and how we were led on for six episodes still guessing who the killer was, was fantastic. And I've said a few times that perhaps it would have been better if suspects were eliminated as we went along. But then, actually, it makes it a bit too easy, doesn't it, for the, uh, for the contestants? And I know that happens in real life. As soon as you hear about alibis, you can sort of take people out of the equation. But I love that even up to the final episode, we were still getting votes 
on Twitter for Freddie and Tony to be in the killer. And that, and that's unusual because normally you, you get any shows with like this, you've got one or two people that you could sort of put your finger on. But I think um, even in this, everybody had a reason for yeah. each person left to, or every every suspect to still be the killer, even up to the last episode. Or even that last episode, I think you've seen a sort of a montage of everyone sort of go in that direction to the house. Yeah, either going to or leaving the house. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's only because of Logan's um, internet history that we know he wasn't. But again, it's a laptop. You can take that remote. That's even worse. And well, it's a lot worse. It's just he's outside with his face pressed against the window. <laughs> and we said about it before, but that was like a three-hour session on porn sites. He could have easily just hit play and gone out, couldn't he? Yeah. So I still think it could have. Yeah, it could have been any of them. I think I think that was really good. I will drop our first clarification because you were asking what sort of things I needed to clarify. We challenged whether or not there were multiple endings, as since it was left so wide open, there could have been alternate endings which saw any one of the suspects as the killer, depending on who Rich and Sarah had picked. Now we have it on fairly good authority that there was always only one killer, and I think maybe there were more things that we could have found out. You know, that made Sarah and Rich's case more watertight because Claire Mitchell said that the, the case is thin but we'll go for it yeah it would have been good to see like um Simon or Macca not to undermine Sarah Richman but say right these are the things that you missed yeah or we could have could have thrown into the evidence package or you know, whatever you want to call it you know into the presentation they did yeah know, where, yeah but yeah. sort of formalize it all but I think this sort of that, that comment around that, I don't know if there's anything more you want to say about the story, but that leads nicely into the production of the series because I don't have any complaints about the production. I just think that perhaps it ended up being a much bigger beast than they'd originally expected and that clearly Ian Rankin has, has created this massive backstory. He's got all these in-depth characters. He's got all these stories for where they were and when they were. And then the reason we thought it was left open to force Sarah and Richmond or to, to, to force Sarah and Richmond to win. It didn't matter who they picked. That's because there was so much left open or, you know, still some stones unturned. And I think maybe that's a lesson learned, I guess. And we'll discuss later on, we will discuss what we think about a second series, but it just felt like it, we, well, from my point of view, I just wish it was that little bit longer. So either we could find out a bit more afterwards and as to why it wasn't other people or Sarah and Rich find those things out themselves. Even if it is just a bit of a, a fudge at the end and they say, right, here's six things to make you realise it's not Freddie, it's not Alicia, it's not whatever it may have been. But I, I genuinely think that comes down to when they... I don't know. I like, we could be talking nonsense. You and I are not in TV. We only know from watching these shows. Yet, yet, um, but it definitely seems like I wouldn't say they bit off more than they could chew because that that's that's undermining somewhat. I I still think it was amazing, but I think that perhaps they didn't realise when they said right, we're gonna we're gonna create six one hour episodes that they they easily had eight well, to we, ten episodes, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, and, and and speaking to the the contestants the hours and hours of footage yeah there must have been that had to be edited down it would have been absolutely mad like you said they could they could even and i'm not saying they string it out to 10 but they could have easily made it 10 episodes Mm. and i guess that also you know we we should touch upon the fact that the ambition or the ambitious side of it is that they selected the couples earlier in the year we applied back in i don't know february march time something like that they started filming in may and then within five months, they've bought it to screen. As you say, they've cut out those thousands of hours mm-hmm. in four or five months. 
And we know from Murder in Small Town X that they had, I think, 40,000 hours of footage or something like that. They had to whittle down to 10 episodes. This is the exact same thing, isn't it? Where it's such a big piece of work. But with all that in mind, like if you were given two, three years to create something like this with all that footage, then there's no excuses for it not being absolutely flawless. And then you could start looking. But this, considering what they made within four or five months from thousands of hours of footage. Yeah, definitely. Phenomenal, really. And there's obviously other stuff we don't really think about. It's like um, the structure, the flow, you know, the momentum of the story. Yeah, absolutely. And you know? and the way they film it and the way it came across on TV, we, we did we did have a suspicions, didn't we? Um, and Andrew and Nick confirmed that some of the things that they found out fairly early, they didn't let us know until later on. And that ha- again, how complicated is that? Because then editors and producers just have to look at all this stuff and say, right, we've got all this footage from day three, but we're going to put that in day one because they're all asking for the CCTV footage on the same day or whatever it may be. Because otherwise it had been so choppy. I, I, can't, I, I can't get my head around it because... Any normal sort of drama is very much, this is exactly how it unfolds. But mm-hmm. not only have they got the story from Ian Rankin that they're putting into this drama that they're creating, then they're going, right, but investigators can ask on any one of those eight days. If they're still in the process, they could call upon that information at any time. And then these guys have then got to go, right, we've got to splice all this together. So that's monumental. It's it's not like uh, creating an episode of Corrie, is it? Where, you know, start, finish, this is what you've got to do. And there's about six different scenes. It was massive, a massive undertaking. And I think that's my only sort of comment really is I just wish it was a few more episodes longer. I think that would have done it. Yeah, maybe to flesh out the ending and also to discount the others. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. So you are are properly whittling them down rather than... Rather than just taking a punt on two, not taking a punt because they know it's Ishbel and, and Logan, but being like, right, we definitely know it's not Freddy because of this. Because obviously, that you know, Logan's alibi about being on his laptop, that was probably the only real alibi anyone had really had, was it? It was. No, without a doubt. Do you know what I mean? So you could have said, right, like Hamish was here because we've got this and this and this backs yeah. it up until we maybe had a pool of maybe four and then yeah. been like, right, no, no, who was it? Agree entirely. But like you say, what they've done in such a short time and trying to like weave Ian Rankin's story into it, well, it being of Ian Rankin's story and then putting sort of a, a game show slash reality TV into it is, is monumental. And I, and I think this is why sort of I, I was I'm in an ring about whether or not to do a bonus episode because, because there's, you know, we, there, there are no episodes left and, and people are evidently only really following um, along with this because they want to maybe see things that they hadn't previously seen. Some people just want to hear us tell the dictaphone joke one more time, whatever it may be. But I, I felt not obliged, but I just wanted to sort of clear some air somewhat because I did feel bad. Firstly, Episode one, we were oh, conflicted, half-baked. Knowing what we know about episodes two, three, four, and five, we were like, no, it, it, it needed that to set the scene. But also knowing what we knew as it progressed, that would be like saying, oh, Lord of the Rings, oh, it's a bit boring in the first 10 minutes. And then look at what the masterpiece it becomes. But even in the end, like we watched that last episode and then we spoke about it within 15 minutes of it finishing. We got on... You know, it finished at quarter past 10. We got onto the podcast at half past 10 and we're like, oh, I feel a bit, a bit deflated or a bit disappointed with the ending. But actually now we've slept on it. Now we've had a few days to think about it. And now we've chatted with Sam Rich, Andrew and Nick. It's like, holy shit. They've, it's, it's, it's incredible what, what has been created. And, and what we, I think we often, 
we're never personal. We're not, we're not, you know, we're only, we've only got our opinions and our opinions don't matter. Well, not at all. Not at all. We're not speaking to 9 million people when we do these podcasts. Um, we're speaking to about nine people, but, but like, I just, I am conscious that this is some people's life work. This is some people's proudest work mm-hmm. and they should be bloody proud because it was incredible. And yeah. I don't, I would hate to think that anything that we say, people might have listened and gone, oh, you know, and, and Andrew and Nick did say that, that some of the conversations they had, people might have felt a bit hurt from our first episode. And then obviously it picked up as we went on. I was actually chatting to the producers about you guys. I was saying, oh, have you, Never. Have you listened to the Jam Presents podcast? And they're like, <laughs> of course. So they all listened to it as well, which I think is great. Um, and I think they were, they were, I think they... Uh, obviously for them it's like their baby isn't it so I think they said the first episode they they were like a bit hurt by it and stuff but then they said actually the more than like I think you guys got more into it and uh you know they they, they liked it a lot more so yeah they but they they know who you guys are now <laughs> <laughs> yeah and they're like we're never having those guys on <laughs> ever yeah I might I'd, I'd rule out channel four for any further <laughs> there's one channel down one our opinions don't matter so even if we say something's crap so what you know but two it wasn't crap and now we slept on it and and we sort of started to put it together and think overall the experience was just next level really yeah and i think obviously not being in the business and no one like is unless you work on it you don't understand how logistically hard filming something like that is like you say cutting from days to days you've got actors that do an improv you've got to set the scenes you you can't feed too much evidence to certain people at certain times it's logistical nightmare yeah and and also you and i have differences of opinion when you've got a million people watching it you're never going to satisfy no, i don't know no, only, only a small percentage really because some people would have said you know like i think ultimately that the, the main thing was it ended on such a high because sarah and rich won the money if that hadn't have happened i think people would have kicked off online really wouldn't they because they fully deserved it for what they went through but um i think that you're always going to find the fact is there's no such thing as a 10 out of 10 tv show movie or anything like that because not everyone can agree on something being perfect Mm -hmm. apart from back to the future and the Muppets Christmas Carol. Even Back to the Future 3. I I only said Back to the Future. I didn't. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I mean, it might be the best trilogy ever made, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll forget about the ending. Um, So yeah, look again, just, just, I I really want to get that across because I felt bad, a little bit bad, Um, especially when there are so many people we're now chatting to and having conversations with. And even like Andrew and Nick, well, all, all the all the contestants that have, that have been on it, we, we've wound them up a little bit as well, haven't we? You know, there have been moments we took the piss out of Hamish for a long time. Not Hamish, the actor, but the fact that Sarah said Hamish. The fact that Nick and Andrew went and saw uh, Logan and asked about his dead dad. Uh, the fact that Chrissy and Caroline asked Alicia how Charlie's dead body reacted and things like that still makes me laugh man and and even Dot and Rocks I'm sure it it was Dot and Rocks first wasn't it because it was the silver fingerprints yeah which again that's not any sort of personal dig and I think people are aware of that I just I just want to be sort of completely clear because you know I would never ever will any sort of no no malice there's no malice absolutely not involved at all there's no there's no disrespect to anyone on the show because um it's it's been great it really has so we'll move on to people now, actually, in the cast. There are a few negative comments online early on around like the acting. 
And maybe it was just down to the pacing of the first episode because everything, you're bombarded with stuff, aren't you, initially? But from my point of view, the actors were remarkable. What you've got to remember is, one, they're not Hollywood actors, which you could argue there's some Hollywood actors that aren't very good anyway, but they're not Hollywood actors. So we're not talking these Oscar-winning performances or anything like that. But considering this isn't your average crime drama where you can do multiple takes and you've literally got no idea what people are going to ask, these guys are the kings of acting. Like improv like this would be unbelievable it would be like having a job interview every time you have a conversation and yeah but, but in fact for a job interview you can prepare all right you know a bit of your backstory and things like that but the way in which they come across all things considered it's genuine unbelievable yeah. and they make you feel like they're their real backstories they had to have a backstory written down to their childhood i'm sure tony i think nick said that tony had a military background so the actor playing him was bricking it just in case he started to call into question his career because yeah, it, I wouldn't have a clue. it was military and imagine you start asking what rank you were and what you did and you know whether or not you've been to battle or anything like that you're yeah. plucking it out the air oh dear me i also love that they went to the island before the investigators arrived so that they could get into character and get into that island life and the lad said that when they went into the pub was it at the end of a shift the i think they had like a day off or something didn't they day off filming yeah and and tony would just like completely ignore them he was in character as tony at the pub on their day off brilliant and he would just completely ignore them and treat them as though they were the real police that's amazing and, and we've spoken to a few actors in the past on shows like this where they've said exactly the same just stay in character don't break character but um then again both the lads and sarah and rich said that they were completely different when they met them at the rap party which must have been mad to actually go then and see hamish not as hamish it's like it's com a completely new person yeah yeah Amongst the cast, we had a few actors who may have been semi-recognisable. All of them have been in Hollyoaks because every actor that we see on TV has. Second clarification, by the way, that's not true. I did make that up. Did you say that, did you? No, I just say I just, oh, just saying from that. about three seconds ago. Yeah. yeah. Martin McCormick, who plays Tony, however, was in Hollyoaks later. And I don't know if that means he'll be in a future episode of Hollyoaks <laughs> or if that's like the programme that they do post-Watershed. When it's a bit steamy. Yeah, that's it. So, but weirdly not in Hollyoaks. So I wonder what character he was play playing in Hollyoaks later. Anyway, Malcolm Cumming, who plays Logan, who I made a very disgusting joke about when someone tweeted in saying that didn't spot Malcolm coming, um, <laughs> which still makes me laugh now. But he is in Anna in the Apocalypse, which I've looked into. It's described as Shaun of the Dead meets La La Land. And I've watched the trailer. Mate, it looks absolutely incredible. IMDb ratings, you know, average, but it's a zombie Christmas musical. That sounds good. We've got to watch that. Yeah, that sounds really good. Um, the actor who played Charlie Hendrix, Hannah Donaldson, has been in a few things, including a previous Ian Ranking episode, or yeah, um, in Rebus, which was which was written by Ian Rankin. The books Rebus were Ian Rankin, weren't they? I think. Is it? I don't know. Have you ever read an Ian Rankin book? Because you read a lot of books. You say I read a lot of books. I make out that I read a lot of books. I've got a lot of books on my bookshelf, but I probably read one or two a year. Okay. No, I've, I've read all of Sherlock Holmes, Poirot and all that sort of thing. So yeah, I've read a shitload of books, but they're only about 30 pages long. No, I've never, I've never read Ian Rankin, but I may well start after this. But again, people will say, you need to read this book. I've got that um, 
Thursday Murder Club, is it? Richard Osman bought that mm-hmm. the day it came out. He's bought his second book out yet. I still haven't read it, like the first one. Yeah, I'm really bad for it. I buy books because they sound amazing. And then something cool comes on TV and we chat shit about it. So <laughs> I don't blame me. Don't blame me. Well, it's, it, no, it's the same. Like People will people will say, oh, um, you know, if, if it's a comedy series and it's easy watch, then I'll always get on it. But when people say, oh, go and listen to this podcast, I, I spend enough time writing notes for our own. It's finding the time to squeeze it all in. You know what I mean? And don't get me started on thousand things to watch before you die because I'm just going to ignore it because... I'll just rather die. <laughs> I'll just watch my one thing I'm happy I'll, with. I'll just watch Back to the Future on repeat. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, side note, I actually worked with someone when I applied for my job in Blockbuster. So How did that, how did that go? How did that pan out? <laughs> well, I was there about 12 weeks and I got a job on the railway, so I left. And then within a few years, uh, it went bankrupt. Because they were offered to because, buy... What, because you left? Yeah, I left, and then it all went downhill from there. Um, popcorn prices went up. It wasn't two for two pounds anymore. No, so, so when I applied for my job in my interview, they were saying, um, right, sell us a film. Like, as part of the interview process, think of a film you've watched recently and pretend I'm a customer and try and recommend it to me. I'm like, all right. I was like, I've just watched um, Batman Forever. And they're like, no, 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 try a newer film. I was like, oh, all right, Batman Begins. And I think it was because I'd watched Batman Begins that I went back and watched all the old Batman films. And that's why I was in Blockbuster in the first place, to find all the old Batman films. So anyway... But you went in to, to rent something out. Yeah. And they thought you were there for an interview. No, not on the same day. Not on the same day. I just started chatting to the chat. I was getting Batman Forever. And I, I started chatting to the chat behind the counter about Batman Begins. He's like, oh, mate, he said, um, if you're looking for, I've just finished school. If you're looking for work over the summer or anything, um, give us a shout. I'll, I'll, you know, give you an application form and whatnot. So I took the application form. This is how wild it gets. The job that I was going for was the job that my wife had left. So the job that I was applying for was the one that Antonio had previously worked at. Anyway, this is, a, this is a big, this is a big long story. You don't need to know the history of it. But anyway, later on, then, like months later, I met Antonia, and uh, eventually we got married. But there's a, there's a bit of romance. Is that why? In, in is that why at your wedding you're dressed up as Batman and Robin? <laughs> it's why my my it's why my wedding was blockbuster themed, and the carpet smelled like piss. <laughs> People throwing popcorn rather than confetti. Yeah. Exactly that. Let's get back on track. At this interview, and this isn't anything to do with Murder Island, but at this interview, um, I was asked to describe this film. And I was like, okay, well, I'll I'll go Batman Forever. No, 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 pick a newer one. I was like, okay, Batman Begins. And then they they asked me to to sort of, you know, sell it. And I was like, look, even as a Batman fan, I I had no idea about Batman before, other than what I knew just from being a kid. Um, I didn't read the comics. I didn't know the story. But I watched Batman Begins and I was blown away. It was great. And I went through all this. Yep, you've got the job. Good. The next person that joined our team a few weeks later i was like oh what film did you pick then to um to discuss like at the interview he went oh uh i sort of got away with not doing that i was like oh, how, how'd you get away with that then oh um i uh i've only ever watched one film and this guy's like 20 22 maybe something like that i thought you've, you've only watched one film well, yeah well i've watched a few films but only one film that's good every other film i compare to this one good film and i can never get past it i'm like all right what's the film then he's like oh it's castaway with tom hanks <laughs> i saw that in the cinema to be fair and and don't get me wrong it's a good film it's a solid film right but Comparing every other film forever after that. Imagine watching like Return of the King and being like, there's no castaway, is it? But, but there's no Wilson. 
And to this day, he's so, still watching that so VHS. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I am absolutely certain to this day because he was adamant. I was like, well, we used to get 10 free rentals a week and um, he wouldn't. Well, I, I imagine he had the only copy of Castaway that he would take 10 times a week. But um, no, back to it. This is very much one of those things of, I don't know how we got onto it actually, but was it about Rebus or about books or books. about reading? Anyway, yeah, I, I like to think that I um, read a lot of books. Um Still don't know how we got onto Blockbuster. It really doesn't matter. Do you want to hear some more about the cast? <laughs> no edit run. This is fucking yeah, amazing. Me... So, right, we'll move on. I'll run through a few more of the, the characters or the cast. Gene, who is played by Polly Frame, has been in loads of stuff. EastEnders, Doctors, and also an episode of Man Down with Greg Davis. Um, Alan Francie, who plays Freddy, was actually in some wonderful shows, including Psychoville and various episodes of Alan Partridge. So it's one of those, you'll probably go back over it and... Think, oh, I recognise him now. Sandy Grierson, who plays Hamish, is a Royal Shakespeare Company actor. And Ishbel was in Grange Hill in 1996. Ishbel wasn't the character who played her. And forgive me because I haven't noted down her name. I could go on to all of them, but there's quite the list of people and everyone can read that on IMDb themselves easy enough. Also in the cast, we had those who were playing themselves. We had Palm, Sai, Maka making up the police, who I thought did a great job of being both strict but empathetic. Then Bobby, Amma and Claire Mitchell QC, who made me think that I reckon I could now get away with a few crimes and they'd help me get off the hook. That pulling in favours on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just the fact that they'll just say to say no comment is fine and they'll do all the defence for you. It's brilliant. But yeah, brilliant casting. It felt, you know, like way more Murder in Small Town X than it did the murder game for casting, that's for sure. I also love that IMDb now has Sarah and Rich credited as Detective Sarah and Detective Rich. That's brilliant. That's superb, isn't it? How's Richmond pulled that one off? <laughs> if there's nothing else you want to mention about location, story, cast, let's talk second series. Oh, Because there's so much buzz and positivity around Murder Island. And it was a shame that quite a few people were turned off by the first episode and missed how damn good it got as it ramped up throughout the series. And I genuinely feel like a bit, I feel for those that missed out because you watch the first episode and I think some things you just got to stick with, haven't you? Yeah. And this was definitely one of those. A second series then, first question, should there be one? 100%. Absolutely. How yeah. then? Go on. No, I think they can learn a lot from the first series as well. Like we said, you know, maybe you do stretch it an extra episode or two. Without a doubt. And I think I think that we uh, we should heavily caveat that we have no idea. We've already mentioned that we don't know what we're talking about. We just love <laughs> making these suggestions. So anyone who's ever produced anything that might be listening to this is probably going to give us a hundred reasons why we're in absolute shit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first thing I've got, more episodes. One, because you've got that engagement. People were really upset that it actually came to an end. You could have easily made... 10 appreciate that channel 4 might not have bought 10 so I, I guess you've got that to sort of contend with but you would have been able to get a lot more information in there you've mentioned before more information available to the viewer drop evidence on twitter yeah, at I the think, same time that the teams get it and things like that i don't know if they underestimated the fact that people would as an audience would want to solve the crime and yeah. be sort of pride of themselves to unlock stuff i mean we see obviously people listen to us, people constantly DMing us and tweeting us. Then there's that Facebook group. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't just to sit back as an audience member and watch it all unfold. You know, there's people looking at whiteboards, 
comparing scenes. And that's like, a big thing. It wasn't just a chat in the office like line of duty might be. You might speak for 10 minutes and go, oh, it definitely wasn't them. Or, oh, I think this person's sus. It is very much people have got notebooks, whiteboards. Exactly. Bring a notebook, say, every week for six weeks. And it's, it's that what they... It's like know, a grown-up blues clues. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, if you think of a second series, then I think thought needs to be around that to be, firstly, the editing needs to be so tight because mm. people will be looking in the background for anything. Yeah, true. Um, but and also, yeah, make the audience that extra, like, extra contestant, you know? I think some, something you've mentioned before that I don't know if we, we captured it on a recording or it's just separate, but you said something along the lines of having uh, social accounts for some of the people. Imagine having Alicia and Logan's um, Instagram accounts set up like months in advance. If they knew they were making this and they knew who the actor was four months before it was being, well, they must have known in May because that's when they filmed mm -hmm. it. So they could have easily got those guys to create accounts and then set it on certain days so that... Logan's yeah. account tweets or, or or posts something on Instagram. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Sarah and Richmond looking through Logan's Twitter back to like January? You see it on the show, and then people are like, "Hang on, he's got a Twitter account." Go on the Twitter account, scroll through, and in January, that's the post that Sarah and Richmond are looking see at. See the same tweets, yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure you can lock tweets down and stuff, so no one can. I mean, they can't. I don't know. Must be some things you can do. I think on that, I think. The social experience, you mentioned being underestimated and things like that, but I genuinely think Channel 4 could have made more of an effort. Like, the Oh, amount... socially? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, massively, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, yeah, so, so, so obviously you've got the one side, which is like giving um, the audience the evidence and, and some clues and things like that and making it a more interactive experience. But on the social side, I think that we know, like Great British Bake Off, for example, it's don't get me wrong, look, it's the biggest show on Channel 4, isn't it, without a doubt? Mm -hmm. But um, it's it's obviously going to get that, and it's obviously you, you're going to get a lot of viewers and a lot of people talking about it. But it just felt like they came in maybe two or three weeks late to the party, and you might get one or two gifts. And they've got all this material in advance. They've got all these clips. They've got all these things from episodes. Like, they've got access to it all. I mean, there's me trying to rip it from my phone to try and just make a little shitty video that i can put up for laughs but it just I, I guess they've got their priorities they've got their social media team and they will go okay we're going to put um 110 into great british bake-off because we've got 10 million viewers and then we're only going to put 10 percent of that into murder island because we've only got 10 percent of the viewers but i just feel like there's so much especially with social media now most people just want those laughs most people just want to be involved yeah you know, i think it was a missed opportunity because yeah you did see some promo for it, but yeah, Channel Four could have pushed it a lot more. And not, I know it's trying to be uh, a little bit more serious, straight, serious, yeah, yeah. Which that's fine. You can have tweets that are serious, but post episode, you can still have funny ones, definitely. which they st they started to do slightly. Didn't yeah, they? It, yeah, yeah, and they did. They yeah. definitely did. Next thing I've got is is for a second series change of location, and I know Ian Rankin tongue in cheek suggested the next series being set on a train, and I think that was in response to a Claire Mitchell QC tweet saying that she's running late either for the rap party or something like that. But I would love like why not? I know Murder on the Orient, Orient Express exists, but why not make it more condensed? I, I we like a block I, of I flats. You would have example. to. I think you would have to because the thing with an island, especially uh, the island they went to. It's so self-contained, like you say, so isolated, so small. Mm. If you start making this 
bigger it just it spirals so something like something like a closed circuit such as a boat yeah. or a train like a flats or something just yeah an, all army, an army barracks or yeah. something like yeah, that do you definitely. mean that, that no sort of outside source can really interfere with Equally, I do love that they took over the whole island. And you can, when you've got 150-odd people to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, make aware, it's a lot easier than, as you say, you couldn't set this in the middle of London. No. But it would no. still be good to have a different setting. Instead of like a sleepy island, it should be like a busy block of flats or, or a boat, as you say. We spoke to the producers of Murder in Small Town X, and they said that they'd love to do a similar, a similar thing on a cruise ship. And again, that would be fairly easy because you could have the characters that, that you interact with and all the other people are innocents effectively. I was going to say that, um, the next series could be set in Stroud because there are plenty of people opposing everything here from 5G to the vaccine. So what I was going to, we, we definitely can't have it where you live because Midsummer is notorious for being the murder capital of the world. Exactly. Exactly. Anything else you want to mention about a second series, things you want to see, you want two contestants called Jason and Mike or, or is it absolutely not? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah, we want to do the podcast, but... Faces for radio. <laughs> oh, people have noticed that when we uh, when we release the videos that are associated with this. They'll be like, like take, take those photos down. <laughs> take those videos down. Oh, you never know. They could uh, they could, they could could get us some extras work or be... No, I was about to say d- that. Double it... murder. Why can't we be the bodies? Because I would laugh. <laughs> you couldn't lie still enough. There would have to be... I'd 100% do a, a cameo in season two, right? <laughs> But it'd have to be that's, that's a big that's a big ask point. It would have to be in a pub in the background. And like where the focus is on the foreground. So I'm just like a, a blurred shape. That's what I mean. It can't it can't be in a sleepy village because all the pubs are like proper old school pubs. And you'll be ducking down everywhere. I'll be ducking down constantly. You, like yeah. beams, just smacking my head on beams. <laughs> well that's maybe how that's you the murder. Do it. Like you you're in it, but it's your head is hidden behind the beams, so like a monster's ink. Like <laughs> Like, mum, look at me. I'm that's on TV. me. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that we can't end without mentioning a few things. Um, we've got up to this series that like, engaging with Ian Rankin, David Mortimer, Palm, Sai, Maka, Claire Mitchell, QC, Bobby, Amma, most of the contestants, even getting the occasional like from some of the cast. It's it's been amazing just to to interact with all you guys. Uh, I say you guys as though you're listening. I think most of them have probably switched off now and gone fuck those guys. They talk rubbish. Yeah, nonsense. Um, but look, no, we uh, we ran a competition where we gave away a hot water bottle, a peacock themed diary slash notebook, uh, a dictaphone, and some other bits and pieces. We spoke to well, we spoke way too much about that bloody peacock and dictaphone. Although I fear that they will stay with us for life now and that any show that we cover where there's a peacock or a dictaphone, people will be pointing out. It's such an inside joke. I hate it. (laughs) The thing is, it's one of those, rather than people saying, oh, um, rather than people saying, oh, good, good, good podcast or, oh, this is, this is great. Most people will say, oh, what about the peacock lads? What about the dictaphone lads? Was it it Richmond that said about the dictaphone, about the dictaphone edit that you did? Yeah. Yeah. It was mentioned like 20 times in one episode or something. We we made the edit. Dictaphone. Dictaphone is almost. On the dictaphone. I find this dictaphone. Dictaphone. Thinking the dictaphone. Um, A dictaphone. Where would I hide the dictaphone? You You know, dictaphones. The dictaphone is, is. Dictaphone. Yeah. Dictaphone. Yeah. Thought the dictaphone was. Dictaphone. On the dictaphone. Was being recorded on this dictaphone. 
on the dictaphone. We read live tweets as they came in while we were recording episodes, and that was mad. Live radio must be absolutely insane. I know they've got like people filtering them, they've got computers filtering them and all that, and they get told what to read. But my God, it was hard at times. We genuinely interacted with hundreds of people and far too many to name, but special call out to Perry's mom, who we still don't know if she enjoys the show or if she's just being forced against her will by Chris. <laughs> so he's got someone else to talk about it in the States. We should have probably found someone else watching it in America and sort of connected them to Chris rather than him forcing it on his poor mother. He's just trying to go to work and she's like, he's like, no, phone in sick. Get the whiteboard out again. <laughs> Mate, we also had a moment the other day before I hit the record button where you were actually asking, it did make me laugh quite a lot actually, that you would, you said, oh, this time are you going to read tweets out from more than just the usual lot of Chris, of Beth, Scott, Holly, Tedley Manor and Sarah Lynch, which led to the best rendition of whatever by Liam Lynch rewritten for Hamish. But I'm kind of glad we didn't have the record button on because I would have had to have put it on there and there's me and you talking about whatever. Whatever. mentioned it a few times here that we spoke to um, Sarah and Rich and Andrew and Nick. All of them were great sports, uh, especially for putting up with our shit every week, as we've mentioned, the fact that we would rib them a bit on, on social media and on our podcasts. Both Zoom calls were very different, but so brilliant. And it was so refreshing to talk to them all. We've uploaded those. So if you haven't already watched them, go and take a look. They're on our YouTube channel. And uh, finally, thanks, really. And, and that's to you, mate, because... I know we joke. No, that's the first time. I, I know exactly. Like we we do Caught joke. Me off guard. <laughs> yeah, have you got the tissues ready? Um, a bit sentimental. <laughs> but look, we we do we we joke about the three or four bullet points that you write every week. But genuinely, I, I couldn't do this without you. It would be very weird if it was just M presents. And I literally couldn't do it without you. <laughs> well, I mean, the biggest thing was that um, I bought jasonandmike.com the other day for two quid. Um, you're saving me a fortune because mike.com was going to cost bloody millions. So, uh, no, I really appreciate it. That One, you're doing this with me. But two, saving me a lot of money through having that extra name on the website. Anything more to say? Because if not, then like, we'll be back for a new series with Killer Camp very soon. But in the meantime, uh, we're just going to keep pestering Channel 4 for a second series. No, nothing from me. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed our Murder Island podcast, check out jasonandmike.com for all of our bonus content and previous podcasts on murder mystery reality TV shows. Feel free to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Presents Jam. We'll be back next week with Season 1 of Killer Camp.